Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Welcome in to College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott, one of the hosts of the show. They call me Motti. Let me bring in Rico Petroselli. They call him, or we call him Rico. We'll be joined with a big deal in a minute. Uh, but it's go time, Chris. It's go time on this Monday. We have a fantastic show uh, prepared Becky Burley, the head coach of the Orlando Pride, former Florida um, Gators head coach of many, many years, Hall of Famer, national championship coach. She'll be on to spend some time with us excited about that. But um, it's Monday and we are on College Soccer Nation. Good afternoon, Matt. <laughs> How's everything? Good good afternoon. Mood today? I am in a good mood today. Yes. I yes, understand yes. that. You uh, won a game in Florida. I right? did. Which is nice to win, yes. win a game in Florida, right? Yeah. And how many games was it before you won in Florida? Or how many <laughs> years? Or what, what was the deal? Something crazy. There's a lot of years, Chris. Yes, yes. Four years at UCF. Yep. Never beat them in Florida. Seven years at Auburn. We beat them one time. Maybe, maybe, maybe we beat them twice, I think. We beat them one time at Auburn. We beat them one time at the beach, as I remember. But we never beat them in Gainesville. Okay. And then uh, 12 years here at Ole Miss, and we had never won in Gainesville. And listen, I'm going to share a quick little story about this. It's kind of cool. So, um, Cindy Mike-Lack is on my team. She's one of our outside backs. has been a great player for us. Her... Dad and I, our friends, our producer Darren and him were best friends. So he was always at her house hanging out, knew his family, all that kind of stuff. Her parents lived in Gainesville. So about seven or eight years ago, we played in Gainesville and her parents came over to meet me for breakfast. And they said to me, we can't wait until our granddaughter is playing at Ole Miss and we're here in Gainesville and you guys beat Florida. That night, I think we lost six nothing to Florida at Florida. And I thought to myself, well, that's that's nice, but I don't see that happening. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, they have both passed. The dad passed a few years ago and, and the grandmother passed or the mother passed this this past summer. Um, and the last time Sid Michael Hack was going to play in Florida at Gainesville and we beat him. So yeah. I think maybe we had a little help from up above, yeah, but that did. was pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool story and, and great for Sid. And I want to tell my team that, but she's yeah. such a private kid. We didn't. Um, yeah. But. Pretty awesome. So kind of cool for us to get our first win down there. And it's a tough place, right? Like, yeah, not a lot tough of place to play. Yeah. No, no, no. But let let me good. ask you. So we didn't add up those years. How many years? Right? <laughs> well, we didn't play them every year, right? But it, well, I, yeah. So since 1995, 1995, 1995 was the first time I played against Florida as an assistant coach at UCF. So how many is that? That's the upset of the week, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Chris, yes. I got a question for you. Yeah. Question time. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about certain things going on in our mm. women's game, especially mm. at the professional level right. in this country? I mean, what's going on this last week in the NWSL? Yeah. So, <clears throat> first of all, um, the allegations are horrible. Um. And, and I don't really want to get into, you know, the um, the sexual abuse claims and, and things like that, which I think are just 
stunning and and uh, and and awful. But you know, there, there was a lot of talk about this verbal abuse, right, from from coaches, and and uh, I think it's a real issue in our sport. I think it's a huge issue in our sport, and it's it is systemic. It you know, I think it probably started in the days of Vince Lombardi and and people like that who all they did was scream and yell and, and, you know, they had all the power and they had all the control and um, their way of motivating was to scream and yell. And many people copied that, you know, we mm-hmm. can go through the history of American sport and find all kinds of coaches, the Bobby Knights of the world were throwing chairs and, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. So people think that's a way of coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And so walk out to any, any, uh, youth game, right? Any club games we go to watch and you see abusive coaches left and right. They're screaming and yelling and tearing people down and, you know, letting them have it and telling them they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, telling them their self and all the stuff that they say that it makes me cringe sometimes to hear some of the things that, that these people say. And so, you know, my, my, my real thought on this is like, if you're in it, because you want to be the most powerful person, right? You're in it for the wrong reason, right? Yeah. The reason you should be in it is to help the players, to not scream and yell at them, to not tear them down. You know, it can be done another way. It is very easily done another way. You don't have to tear these people down. You don't have to, to abuse them verbally. And so my, you know, my real message here is if you're one of those people that you feel you have to, scream and yell and abuse and all of that kind of stuff, get out. We don't want Mm -hmm. you in our sport. You've heard it enough. You've heard enough of these players. So many of these players that, you know, could have been really something a lot better than they ended up being. And they weren't because basically their coaches are idiots, you know, and the the coaches are the ones that, that have made it really difficult for them. So if that's you, get out of our sport. We have no need for you. Yeah, very well said. I, I, the only thing I'd add to it is, unfortunately, we've probably missed a lot of great players in, in, in soccer because just what you're saying, that at a young age, you're getting screamed and yelled at or benched or whatever, not developed, right? I think the job of the youth coach is to develop them into the best player they can be. It's the job of us now to develop them into pros. Um, and so many people just stop playing because they don't want to deal with that kind of treatment. I don't blame them. I don't, yeah. I don't blame them. I think yeah. we're at a generation, Chris, where, um, you know, when we were growing up, that was a style of coaching without question. And some people it worked and some people it didn't, but it's, it's terrible. It's there's no room for it now in today's game. I agree with you. Very well said. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, a, and it's all levels, right? So now we're here at the professional level, right? That's right. We've yeah. seen it at the college level. We, we yeah. all see it plenty of time. We see it at the, at the youth level. So it's in all levels of our game. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, uh, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like it. And I feel so bad for these players that are just unbelievably talented, unbelievably talented. Those guys are so good playing in that league. Those guys mm-hmm. are such good players. They don't deserve to be treated that way. Well, I think the interesting thing for me is it's their identity of who they are because their whole life they've been this great soccer player, right? So it's their whole identity. They reach the, the, the mountaintop. Sure. The mountaintop is being a pro, being a professional, right? The 
LeBron yeah. James, the wh- yeah. whatever, is a pro, and now they get treated poorly. Like, yeah, it's it makes no sense. It makes no sense to me no, at all. So, no, and they don't get awful. paid enough to really fight it. It's it's a big issue. It's a it's a big issue, and something maybe we can uh, we can touch on with uh, with Becky when she comes on. And she's sure. right in the middle of it sure. with the league and, and dealing with that. So, well, let's bring him in. The big deal, you know, okay. I'm sure he he uh, typically is uh, very strong opinionated on this stuff and is always very insightful. Brian, good afternoon. Monday um, here in Oct- first week in October. Uh, welcome to College Soccer Nation. Happy to be here with you. Is that it? You want my, that's all. That's all. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm happy to be what here you, with you too. Good night. <laughs> what you do you think about What show. do you think about Chris's uh, opinion there on on uh, I, coaches? I, I think it's really well stated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple of things for me. We all got into coaching. We, we were pretty young, and um, right off the bat. I, I knew and I thought every day about it with other young coaches that you don't get into coaching to increase your dating pool. Um, you know, regardless of, you know, yeah. men who like men, men who like women, women like whatever you're interested. You don't get into coaching to increase your dating pool. And, you know, we, we've all seen examples over the, over the years um, and then when, when we are coaching, all coaches have to realize we are in a power position over whoever we're coaching. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we can be the most Ted Lasso as coaches we want, they look up to us. They, you know, um, they can be, you know, fearful of their coach. Um, there's just a ton of things. So it, it, it's a, a violation of human nature just beyond my comprehension. And I I think it's just terrible. On the other side, the verbal abuse, here's what amazes me. That's very specific to our college environment. We have plenty of college coaches who are cussing their kids out, (laughs) right? Yes. It doesn't even slow down recruiting. Where are the parents? There's no way you don't know before your kid commits to some of these places that they're going to get verbally abused, that they're going to be cussed at, they're going to be put down and they still go. Yeah. I, you know, you know, Brian, it, it, I'm glad you bring that up because I I've said this to some parents in the past, not about, not about college coaches, but about their, their club environment. Like, yeah. Same thing with the clubs. You but, would not allow that to happen to your kid in the classroom. If a teacher did that to your kid in the classroom, you'd be in the principal's office in a second. But in sport, for some reason, we allow that. We allow the, the coach to scream and yell and, you know, tear him down and all that kind of stuff. And I don't get why we continue to allow it. No. And we voluntarily pay him to do it. <laughs> yeah, we pay him to do it. Yeah. It's um, crazy. But let, let's, you know, let me go Ted Lasso on. There are a lot of good coaches out there. There are a lot of good people. And, and one of the things I say all the time is these jobs are not hard if you, one, follow the rules, whatever the compliance rules tell you to do, be a good person and treat people the right way. If you do that, you can be successful. You don't have to be a jerk to your you players. To you have to treat them poorly. You can do it the right way. And there are a lot of coaches out there that are absolutely doing it the right way. So fortunately, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil and they're, they're you know, paying for it now. And you hope that um, coaches like that do get kind of knocked out of the sport. 
but there are some good ones out there for sure. And, and we got to keep that in mind that not everybody is a screamer, yeller, or abusing, abusing kids or, or, or athletes. So, yeah, all right, let's move on. Let's have a little more fun, guys. Let's have a little okay. more fun. That is a little heavy here to start. Yeah, we go. Um, so we got a new segment. So last few weeks, I've been telling people to shut up, right? For whatever the topic said, just shut up. So we have a new segment here in segment two. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Before we get to that, we're going over games. Right, Chris? Well, you're so excited for this segment. I was, I'm so excited for this part, man. Jump you right get, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Let's go over the big game. All right, That's big results. Yeah. Um, USC 2, Arizona State 1. Baylor 3, Texas Tech 2. Michigan 2, Purdue 1. South Carolina 3, Auburn 2. BYU with the beatdown on Gonzaga 6-1. Oregon State continues to roll 2-1 to one over Stanford. The big match of the week was North Carolina and Virginia. That's a stalemate at 1-1. And Purdue continues to impress in the Big Ten with a 2-1 win at Wisconsin. Thoughts, Brian? Well, we got that Gonzaga one wrong, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I think midseason results and they're a little all over the place. Some upsets, some uh, established powers kind of reestablishing the North Carolina draw. Obviously, Virginia is a, a big team, but there's starting to be a pretty big gap between them and FSU at the top of the table. Seems like it's probably already a lot for uh, Carolina to overcome to really challenge for the ACC. So I think you're seeing some traditional powers, Stanford. UNC, you know, falling down, Penn State, falling down the league tables a little. It's very interesting. Maybe part of the quick turnaround. I don't know about this spring to fall season. You know, it's it's such a strange situation for us all. And most most importantly, the players. Um, maybe that's got something to do with a little bit of rash of upsets. And I wouldn't even call it parody, just some of the traditional powers falling down the power scale. Have you guys seen, um, you know, because you guys – played in the spring and we didn't um have you seen an increase in injury in your in your squads we talked to uh our periodization guy um post spring talking about that and that was his biggest point he thought we'd see more significant injuries this fall than in a normal fall have you seen them um we, we personally we probably are a little bit ahead of scale on that, yes. But I don't know across college soccer, but certainly right. with us. And, you know, we played pretty long. And it, with it, we approach the summer as normally our kids play Debbie League. Everybody's playing in the lead-in. And we approach this summer with a short turnaround on a really player-by-player basis because we were as worried about the mental approach as the physical on that quick turnaround. Um, so I don't know what other people did, but – that that was our approach on I think that I've been very happy with our team mentally um, because I was really worried about that I was with you Brian but we've come back really sharp I think we're playing at at that level Um, we have definitely had some injuries Chris more more so than we typically do Um, I think it's the change maybe not the spring but it's the change from one game week to two games a week that going back to that has been very difficult and if you're not very deep, it makes it really, really hard. So yeah. that was it, it for me for sure. But I do think injuries – I would be shocked if injuries aren't up around – I mean, every game you watch, somebody's down on the ground. Yeah, for sure. At some point during the game. So 
maybe more, but it'd be interesting to know. All right, can I do my thing now? Well, the last little bit on that, oh, you know, to, no. I'll give you one more. It's, okay. without, we had all fall to prep for last spring, you know, and it, even if you play in the fall and the spring, it was generally one game a week. Right. And boom, we came back, traditional couple weeks, then we're playing two games a week again. Um, that's a bad cycle for me. Yep. It's too bad we don't have so many Chris in the United Soccer coaches that could put in some legislation to go back to stretch the calendar out. To, we don't know to anybody. Make, like we that. don't know anybody. We that do have said legislation. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Plan G. Good. He's Plan G. <laughs> like, all right. Here we go. It's got. It's time. So my new segment this week is called "Tell Matt to Just Shut Up." Oh, I love this. Okay? Yeah, I love you like this. Chris. I feel like I've been Not- doing that for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a scenario and you guys can either agree or disagree with me. Okay. Ready? Here's the first one. Both Arkansas and South Carolina will run the table and finish the league with 30 points in the sec as they don't play each other. They're both four and O currently. Um, go ahead, Brian. So we're saying we just say shut up, Matt, if we don't agree with this. If you don't agree, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a great segment. Shut up, Matt. Uh, <laughs> I do. I think Arkansas will run the table. I don't think South Carolina has shown that level of dominance. Um, and there's too much parity, too many good teams in the SEC if you're not truly elite top 10. And I think Arkansas is a top 10 team, but, but I don't think South Carolina probably is. Okay, okay. Chris? Shut up, Matt. Um, I agree with Brian, and I think Arkansas will run the table, but South Carolina has a little team called Ole Miss next. And then they follow that up with Tennessee, Georgia, LSU. They've got some games. They've got some games, and I just don't think they'll make it through that, that group undefeated. Okay, here we go. Next one. Tell Matt to shut up. If North Carolina, through four games, has five points, seven points behind 4-0 leader FSU, UNC will not finish in the top three of the ACC. Hmm. <coughs> Hold on. Did I, did I catch something? <laughs> <laughs> um. You're saying they won't finish in the top three. That's right. So if you think they'll finish top three, you got to tell me shut up. If I think they're going to finish in the top three, I got to tell you to shut up. Yeah. Shut up, Matt. (laughs) They have Florida State yet to play, Mm -hmm. which certainly will be difficult. But beyond that, Pittsburgh, Boston College, NC State, Notre Dame, and Miami, they'll be favored in each one of those games. So I see them winning a lot of games down the stretch here. And we all know in, in, in uh, the ACC teams are beating each other and things like that. North Carolina will be in the top three. So they're going to jump Duke or for Virginia in your, in your mind to finish above one of those two. If they uh, finish, if those two finish in the top three. Uh, sure. Um, okay. They may be at the moment. Uh, they're one point behind Duke at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Brian. Uh, I'm going to agree with you, Matt. I, nice. <laughs> I think they're going to finish fourth. Duke only has Duke has Florida State and 
whatever we think Notre Dame is, if Notre Dame can stay near the top. Uh, so I, I think they are going to finish fourth. I think Duke is top class as well. So is Virginia and obviously FSU is a pretty hot favorite right now in the ACC after the first four games. So okay. with you, Matt, I agree. All right. Like, like it. All right. Here you go. Here's the next one. This is a zinger. Texas and Baylor are one and two in the big 12. One of these teams will win the league. Like me to go first, Chris? Are you good? I yes, I agree with Coach. Okay, Sorrel Baylor will win the league. Oklahoma State's uh, off to a slower start than normal. West Virginia's got a super interesting resume right now. They've lost to the good teams, but I don't think they've got a top fifty win. Um, TCU's already got four points down with the loss and the draw. It's going to be interesting. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> how do we not, how do we discount West Virginia in this race? I know they so played nice. two games in the mm-hmm. league. They've won them both. Yep. Texas on top of the league has played four games, mm. of which they're three on one. So they've already dropped points. Mm-hmm. West Virginia will win the Big Twelve. Oh, bro, Broads, uh, bro. I like it. I like it. Powerful. All right, you ready for the next one? Good. Furman is one and two in the league. Will they be within six points of Sanford at the end of the season? Oh, this is going to take some some research. (laughs) First of all, what league is that? (laughs) (laughs) The Subcon. The Subcon. That is, uh, I tell you, quick while you're researching, Chris, <laughs> quick story. So I played at Furman in the yeah. conference, and the first banquet they had a banquet back then for their conference tournament, and it was at our local YMCA. And we walked in, there was a banner, and they'd left the H out of Southern Conference Tournament on <laughs> welcoming us. Uh, it was really something. We knew we knew we'd hit it big then. <laughs> what was the statement you made? What was the statement? Oh, so we got to go back to it. It's too elaborate. Furman is one and two in the league, in the SoCon League. Will they be within six points of Sanford at the end of the season? Have they played Sanford? No, this weekend, I think, right? Right, I think it's this weekend. Oh, so if I say they're not going to be within six points, do I get to tell you to shut up? Yes. All right, shut up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Chris he's getting too much pleasure out of this, Brian. He's getting too much pleasure. <laughs> Any, out of anything it. borderline, he just straight goes with shut up, so he can yeah. tell you one more time. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say they finish six points down. Sanford's very good. Maybe they get that. Maybe Sanford drop one, drops one somewhere else. But they're, they're okay. six points down already. They, they've dropped yeah. six points. Sanford beats them. Yeah. They go nine points down. Yeah, that is true. But then Sanford would have to win the rest of their games. Well, I'm probably not, pretty I'm likely. They've won six the years in a row, haven't they? I want to go against a picker. I'm not going against <laughs> uh, a picker. And they've I, won six or seven years in a row here, Brian. I think. <laughs> yes. I'm not chance. going against the picker either. But okay. in this instance, I think they're just going to win by six points. Jeez. How many points okay. do you want Todd to win the league by? 
I'm not saying they're going to finish second. I'm just saying, will they get within six? All right. Here we go. Next one. Here's a good one. Brian, this is in your league now. Will WKU finish with a top 40 RPI? Oh. They are currently 16, and they are what, eight and one? 16 with a win over number 15, Louisville. Lost. Yes. Top five, Ole Miss. It's uh, Bandy's kind of on the rise. They've got the win over Bandy. I'm going to agree with you again, Matt. I think they do finish top 40. I think they finish top 40 as well. I think they will finish top 40. All right. Love it. Okay. No shut-ups on that one. No (laughs) shut-ups. All right, here you go. This is another good one. UCLA has given up five goals all year. Will they end the year under 10? Hmm. So if we, Brian is in deep thought. Uh, I have deep thought. I never know which side of it is shut up. Um, shut up is the they're going to give up 11. He doesn't 11. say it the right way. He doesn't yeah, do. supposed to make a statement. You're not supposed to ask a question. You're supposed to make the statement. I, all right. I'm going to go with. Will you see UCLA? We'll give up less than 10 goals this season. There you go. Shut up, Matt. That's <laughs> like in rhythm. Yeah, they'll give up at least 11. Someone in the Pac-12 will ring two or three on them one game. You'll get a 4-3 like Arizona State. Uh, UC- was the Arizona State UCLA was 4-3? It was. Yeah. So. Yeah, shut up, Matt. I mean, yeah, they'll give yes, up they've given up five goals, but their non-conference schedule has not been overwhelming. Uh, outside of maybe Santa Clara, and even Santa Clara has, hasn't been great. So um, they will give up more than 10 goals. Okay. I got three left. Here we go. Ready? It's an easy Let's one. Get the right way now. Penn State will finish out of the top five in the Big Ten. I agree. I agree. I mean, they're one and four to start. That's oh. a hole to dig out of. Yeah, I agree. Okay. All right. All right. This one is for Brian. I have one for each of you only. So this is Brian's only. You can't respond to this one, Chris. Okay. All right. Brian, Chris is so superstitious. He won't get a haircut until they lose. Oh, do you think that's why his hair's gone a little crazy? (laughs) It's a little wild right now. You can't respond, Chris. I'm going to say I agree. I go through that same thing. Mm, Okay. A little superstition. You can don't I, have a lot to cut. No, can offense, I give? Brian. Can I? <laughs> yeah, you can answer. Can go I say ahead, something? <laughs> sure, go ahead. I am the least superstitious guy you will ever meet. <laughs> In fact, if if someone if someone says to me, "Oh, you won the game," don't change your socks. I change my socks on purpose. Okay. Oh. <laughs> right, so you say you tell me to shut up. <laughs> superstitiously unsuperstitious. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. I do need a haircut, though. I do need a haircut. No doubt. All right. Last one, boys. Last one of this was been very good. I think we've done an excellent job. Here we go. This is for Chris. Now, Brian, you can't answer this. Okay. Chris. Yeah. Brian is 50 years old. Will he ever have another French fry for the rest of his life? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I'm going to say at some point in a weak moment, he will have a French fry. He will have a French fry, yes. Oh, I liked it. No shut-ups here, then. That's good. What do you think, Brian? 
I think it's quite possible. I'll end up in some frou-frou restaurant where the specialty is some sort of, you know, French fry dressed up looking thing. Truffled French fries. Truffled French fry. This sounds awful. Sounds awful. It does. Sounds awful. And avocado French fry. (laughs) And I'll try it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. All right, boys, there you go. We just shut up. Matt, just shut up. Segment. Loved it. We can do Very that good. one every week. Very good. <laughs> All right, here we go. Team of the week. What do you guys got? Oh, I got mine. I'm ready. Ready? Yep. All right. With a – I pulled it up here. Hold on. Okay. This is the quote from the coach for team of the week. It's the football equivalent to the Hail Mary, Miami head coach Sarah Barnes said. The biggest thing is that Cat Molina chasing the ball down, not allowing to go over the end line, like for, line for a goal kick. Taylor was in, was in there pressuring. Even though they got a clear, they didn't get a good one because she fought so hard to try and score the goal. That set it up for Jackie to be able to smash the ball with her left foot in the goal. It was an incredible finish. It took a lot of people – this game, all 26 were so invested, so committed to the team's performance. The effort was outstanding. The Miami Hurricanes with yeah. a 1-0 buzzer beater over Boston College is my team of the week. You tell Barnes, now I feel like I was there. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> first of all, that was going to be mine, so I'm, I'm going to have to go um, that one. But I did watch the game, um, and it is the, you know, you're sitting on the bench and you're the BC coach. And the, the time is running down and there's 13 seconds left in the game and the ball is at midfield and it has no chance to ever get in your box. And what is the one way it could get in your box? Just one. Free kick. Free kick. Somebody commits a stupid foul, right? Mm. So now, and not only that, they kick the ball away. Okay. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or so they stand stupid. in front of the ball yes, or something like that. Yes. Referee stops the clock. Um. Sarah Barnes has been watching the Ole Miss air raid. So (laughs) here comes the goalkeeper to midfield, launches the ball in the box. The initial clearance they get, um, Mm -hmm. it goes kind of towards the, towards the end line and they're counting down. And the kid on Miami makes a great effort to, to chase it down, slide it across on the ground. BC still has another chance to clear it. The kid slides in toe pokes it away right to the foot of the kid on Miami who blasts the thing in the goal. And it, it definitely went in before it turned zero, but it was really, really close. So I agree with you on, on uh, Miami, but I can't pick them. Right. So I gotta, I gotta pick another one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this one's going to be uh, interesting, I think, because I, I, I maybe wanted to save them for later, but I feel like Florida state doesn't get enough credit. They continue to win. They continue to win. They continue to win. We don't really talk about them because we expect them to win all the time. Right. So we're only, we are only surprised by Florida state if they, if they don't win. So they beat Clemson. They went down one nil um, on an own goal. Then, then scored four, beat them four to one easily. Uh, They continue to rack up the wins. They continue to win. They continue to impress when they win. You know, they're not, they're not sneaking by, they're smashing people. So for me, uh, because of sort of the, the lack of, of credit and, and really how much they really deserve, I'm going to go with Florida State. You know, I don't think um, Eddie's going to like that, Rico, 
think he's going to no. like that. <laughs> Talking about poor Clemson. Um, okay, go ahead, Brian. Maybe it can be on a little different measuring stick for Florida State. Did they have eighty-eight percent possession? And <laughs> I mean, we don't on. give them, we don't give enough credit, Brian. They have there's thirty-four voters, and I think they get like thirty-seven first place votes. How many times have you picked them for Team of the Week? How many times have you picked uh, them? Yeah, they got some games coming up. Maybe we'll pick them then. But All right. On the Barnes finish that was so uh, described so eloquently. I want I I once lost a game where the other team got a free kick at midfield. You know how they count down 10, 9, 8. It's at home, and our guy is counting down, and we pass him the ball so they can take the free kick from 10 yards away. We literally <laughs> pass it to them, boom, they put it down. We lose with one second left. We passed them the ball so they could take Free kick. That was really nice. Of you. <laughs> like that was very nice. Of you. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, that that's not how I described it. After yeah. <laughs> of the week, because a loss would have put them on life support. Uh, is Alabama? You know, number five in the country came in. LSU, Alabama's on the fringe. Um, really, one and two in the league needed a win to stay out of the. We should call it the relegation zone, even though it's not the relegation. Yeah, yeah. Teams that don't get to go to. Orange Beach for the SEC in their conference tournament at the end of the year and had a huge win. Uh, but, you know, when we're picking these games and the upsets and the things you're looking at, in the SEC, when the football team has a big game on Saturday and they only have one game on Friday, I'll take the home team that's got the game. Yeah. On. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're going to get a great effort from those kids. So yeah. I, th- I thought they were great. Good for Wes. Yep. All right. Upsets, Chris. Upsets of the week. Anybody want to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to take my buddy Aaron Chastain up at Minnesota over Penn State. I know Penn State's, um, you know, down a little bit, but it's still Penn State, and it's Aaron's first year there, and she took over late in the summer. Uh, so congratulations to her on the – I mean, 4-1 against Penn State. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty awesome. So congratulations yeah. to the Minnesota Gophers. You think Izzy Brown – did Izzy Brown score? I don't know. Good question. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. You go next. Um, I got two of them here. I'm going to go with uh, Kansas State over Kansas. Oh, good one. Uh, That's a good know, one. The Darby and State, the Sunflower State, I believe it is. Mm. Um, you know, in a league game as well. And uh, Kansas State gets the big win over Kansas. And Kansas is uh, on a slide right now, really, really sort of struggling. Wait, hold on a second. What when you hear the name Kansas, do you think sunflower? Um, are there sunflowers in Kansas more I than guess other there places? There are not. I assume that there are. I, I never thought all the states. I don't think I would pick Kansas as a sunflower state. But anyway, all right, Brian. I, see, man, I, I, I continue to give you words. Of <laughs> you do. You do. So lucky. I'm just so yeah. lucky. Yeah. All right, Brian. All right. My upset of the week was uh, in Conference USA, Texas San Antonio two. It's one, you know, North Texas, Big. maybe one, won the league or the tournament. It's a lot. If you look at their Twitter page, it's got a bunch of trophies. Yes. <laughs> 15 or 20 times. UTSA came in the league a few years ago and it, it's been a hard run and Derek Pittman's done a great job. And they've just, for me, they've just been super unlucky the last couple of years, really on penalties. And this time they got a penalty in overtime. Oh, uh, good. Turnarounds fair play, but good for uh, the road runners. Good Beat for them. them. Good for yep. them. 
I had uh, one other one to mention. Um, probably not uh, one that many people will talk about, but New Mexico State beating Seattle. When you remember Seattle beginning of the oh, year? Oh, yeah. Beat yeah. Washington had mm-hmm. some really good results cruising along, and all of a sudden, New Mexico State beats them. New Mexico State, it's the first time they've beaten them since, since 2017. So a big win for New Mexico yeah. State. Okay. Wow. Nice. Nice, Chris. Nice research. Again, College Soccer Nation appreciates the research <laughs> everyone puts into the program and to make this the best podcast the College Soccer Nation could be. Uh, Brian, real quick before we let you go, give us a few words on, uh, on Becky Burley, please. Becky Burley, uh, living legend, number one. Uh, when I took the LSU job coming in the SEC, we had high aspirations. But you want to know one of them that wasn't on the list of things we're trying to do is we try to get the program going. It wasn't beat Florida because they were so dominant, that mm-hmm. uh, not realistic in the in the short term. So she developed one of the all time great dynasties in college sports, Florida in, in SEC soccer for a decade plus. I'm super excited here to talk about moving over to Orlando as the interim coach. I think she's a great person uh, for that kind of role. Uh, and she's got so many outside interests. She really is one of the more well-balanced coaches of all of us uh, in the profession. So can't wait to listen. All right. Appreciate it, Brian. Good as always. Excellent job. Good luck. Who you got this week, Brian? Sorry, who you got? Who do we have? We have UAB on Friday nights. One game? One game. Love the one game weeks. That's nice. Is that home? It is at home. One game week. That's the – that's living the dream right there. That's my a friend. nice week. Living the dream. That's, That's a nice, a nice week. week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Good luck. Thanks, you, Brian. Brian. See, ya. See ya. Okay, Chris. Very excited to bring in our next guest who is, you know, Hall of Famer, national championship coach. You know, between the three of us, we have six national championships. We playing coaches. Becky has three. You have three. And I have zero. But we're certainly very excited <laughs> to bring in Hall of Famer, national championship coach. Now, certainly, currently the coach at the Orlando Pride, uh, Becky Burley. Becky, thanks for joining us today. Well, this is this is going to be exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> well, we're, first thing we do always is we like to have our guests kind of talk us through your kind of professional coaching career, like how, how it started um, and now where you are at this point. Well, mine's, mine's pretty brief. It's easy. Um, started coaching at Barry College in Rome, Georgia um, when I was 21. Stayed five years there, went to Florida, stayed there forever, <laughs> retired, <laughs> retired in May. Um, that lasted 10 weeks and then became the interim coach of the Orlando Pride. <laughs> I want to ask you about that, actually, the, the interim title, like, and, and, you know, what's it like walking into that locker room? First of all, that locker room filled with pretty strong personalities. I mean, those are, those are some strong personalities. Um, what's it like as the interim coach? walking into that locker room? Well, you know, it's a good question because, um, you know, the people are like, everybody says the exact same thing you said. Oh, that locker room, that's a strong personality locker room. (laughs) But I kind of think that was part of the intrigue for me was, um, first of all, when do you ever get dropped into the middle of a season? So that was intriguing. Um, Secondly, you know, getting to work with players that are of this caliber is, wow, like who gets that chance? Um, And so what, I think my first order of business was, wasn't to come in and, you know, Hey, this is what I do. It's more like, just let's get a lot of questions asked and get the lay of the land and figure out the best way that I could add value to the organization before even 
starting. So it's just asking questions. Sure, sure. And um, obviously we, we've had some uh, major news in, in, in the league here uh, in, in the last few days um, with some of the allegations that have come out. And um, how has that impacted you? You know, we, 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 we've heard from the players, right? Um, I'm wondering how it impacts, you know, some of the coaches that are, that are in the league and people who are doing the right things and, and, and things like that. But what's the impact on you? You know, it's just a, it's a really interesting time to be here um, because there's just so much going on in terms of, um, you know, the evolution of this league. And I mean, I think if you asked anybody, even before all this broke, does the professional women's leagues in any sport in this country need to become more professionalized? And I think people would say yes. And I think we got to a tipping point with these allegations that needed to probably come. And, and so for me, like, how does it affect me? I think it's like, I feel like, how can I facilitate the growth of the professionalization in the best way possible while at the same time making an environment where the players currently who are in this environment feel safe and free from judgment and comfortable to try to proceed with their agenda, basically. You know, what's interesting, Becky, is, you know, I, I hear you say that. And, and, um, and I think we would all agree with that. Like, that's what we, we want for the players. I mean, I, in your mind, how, how did it go wrong? Like, you know, that, that seems pretty simple. Yeah. You know, I think that's a really broad question because, I think there's part of it to where, you know, I think in any power differential situation, whether it's sports, whether it's business, um, there is an opportunity for abuse to occur of that power. And I think in this league in particular, where it's a really insecure place for a lot of players because of the financial um, rewards of the contract, because of the contract can be revoked at any time. Like a lot of those things, I think that that makes it difficult for the players to feel secure, which means they're going to act out of fear, which when you're acting out of fear, the potential for abuse becomes even bigger. And so that abuse of power, I think that's really the crux of this issue and not to minimize the, um, you know, the other issues, those are huge issues that need to be addressed on a bigger level. Um, but I think, I think ultimately that's really what needs to change. That is an awesome answer, by the way. <laughs> it really is. Neither one of really. us could have answered like that. No, my God, no way. way, no way. I feel like I should just let the two of you talk and I'll just sit here and listen. But we're going to change a little lighter, Becky. Um, I love the what drives winning stuff that you're doing with Brad. And, 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 that, and just to, again, for people that don't know, you know, Becky has been presenting at the convention for, I don't know how many, 20, 20 years, Becky, I don't know, maybe longer. Um, and it's funny I used to go to, I, I'm, I've gone almost every year that I'm there and she's presenting. It's, it's great. And, and the rooms would be full and then they would be a little fuller. And now it's standing room only and you can't get in. You got to go an hour before to get a seat. And so anyway, um, tell us about how you got involved in that and, and kind of where it is and, and, and what's maybe on the horizon. Well, you know, what's really exciting about though, what tries winning right now is that, um, Actually, while I am currently coaching this Orlando Pride team, I'm also teaching in a master's degree program at UF to what drives oh, cool. classes. And it's wow. so fun. Awesome. Like, I love it. Like, it's like, it's like this little living laboratory of coaches. Um, I think I have like 51 students. It's online. 
Um, but it's so fun because it's like real world. I feel like I'm like a vocational teacher, you know, like I'm <laughs> like a hands-on thing. Um, but I think the, the way it all started was I, I actually uh, met Brett through a mutual friend of ours that was on the basketball staff at Florida for Billy Donovan. Um, we started working together specifically with my team. Some of the other coaches at Florida really enjoyed what we were doing. He got involved with UF and now, you know, Brett's probably one of the most sought after minds, uh, like a thinking partner for athletic um, people in this country, whether that's athletes or coaches or administrators. And, you know, it's all based on questions, which I love because I don't think we're saying that we have any answers. I think we're just trying to provide a platform where people can coach themselves and to try and give people ways to, um, to ways to think differently. And that's through questions. Interesting. Really good. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, Becky, I, I came across um, um, a, a little fact here about you, that you played three years as a defender and then became a goalkeeper. Is that correct? <laughs> okay. This is true. This is my dark past. <laughs> so what happened was um, my senior year, uh, first of all, to lead up to my senior year, I was thinking, I want to really develop one part of my game. You know, I'm like 5'10", and I'm thinking, I need to be like a more of a threat on set pieces offensively. So um, I spent that whole summer working on offensive set pieces. I mean, literally got served 50 balls a day to work on offensive set pieces. Preseason happens. Um, our starting goalkeeper tears her ACL like day three. Our backup goalkeeper finds out that she's academically ineligible day four. <laughs> and so then um, Joe Pereira, my coach, is like, hmm, who on my team like is tall, indispensable, like we don't really need her on the field. <laughs> um, and so um, that's how I ended up as a goalkeeper. And honestly, it was probably my my better position because, um, you know, I was too slow to play on the field anyway. So um, in goal, I could be quick between the years. There you go. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome all right um my next question for me is give us um some of your fondest memories of the championship run to the to the national championship that team and that year and and what that was like please Ooh, there's just so many um you know what was cool about that team was that it's like all the stuff that happened before that year to get there because you know, we knew at that time, like Carolina was the gold standard. And so we just went after Carolina, like every opportunity we could, we played them every fall, we played them every spring and we just got crushed. I mean, I remember one game we lost nine, nothing. And it was only nine because Anson like stopped scoring, which he probably mm -hmm. never does, but I think he really <laughs> felt bad. Um, and then we had thought we had gotten like so much better. And like the next year we lose five, nothing, you know? And um, I mean, it was just like, at some point, we got so sick of like those results that I think we just sort of crossed this line of earlier in that year, we had played them. We lost at home. The only home game we'd ever played against them. Um, we lost two to one and then we get to the national championship and, you know, to be able to score first, I think the people who weren't in the stands yet, because it was like five minutes in probably thought Carolina, like, Oh my God, they scored again already. Um, <laughs> but it, it was just one of those things that, you know, overcoming the adversity like step by step by step and putting yourself in that fire all the time and I think that's something that like a lot of coaches are afraid to put themselves out there because they don't want to feel that pain of that result and I think that group was willing to put themselves out there over and over and over again to get to where they wanted to go 
Sounds like Miracle from uh, the, the Olympics, <laughs> doesn't it? They kept playing the Russians and getting it, beat. It was a little they... bit of a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good yeah, team for sure. Good, good. So um, clearly it's been um, a great career that you've had and, and uh, over, over a good period of time. Um, how much, what have you seen change over your time uh, in college athletics and, and in college soccer specifically? What's, how has the landscape changed? Well, when I first started, I was a lot closer in age to the players. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I left, I was a lot farther away. Uh, <laughs> and the players were still the same age. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, people ask me all the time, like, do you think things have changed during the course of your career? And I would say like, yeah, of course, like parenting has changed, environments have changed. We have cell phones, that's changed everything. Social media has changed everything. And so of course people have changed. And I hope like I have tried to change with that to evolve and understand that environment more because, you know, my context of my upbringing or my context of not having social media growing up, like that's not relevant to what players are dealing with now. And I think the biggest thing for me is like, how do we as coaches like use our experience, but also use the player's perspective, which is not ours and like combine those two to get the best of both worlds. That's really hard, but I think it's like the ideal situation. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, obviously it's changed nationally, but I mean, it changed a lot in Florida too, when, when Mark showed up at Florida state, right. And all, all of a sudden the, um, again, the landscape changes in, in Florida, uh, what's that been like? You know, it's funny because, you know, everybody thinks Florida, Florida State, you guys like should really hate each other. Like we don't like Mark and I have had like a very respectful relationship. The games have always been like high quality, like really good games. And honestly, it's been like the game I look forward to the most on our schedule almost every year. Um, and so I think it just shows you that like a healthy competition doesn't have to be ugly. Um, and I think that you know, I feel like Florida State makes us better. I hope that in some ways we've made Florida State better and probably Florida coming strong out of the gate the way we did as an institution put the pressure on Florida State because they didn't come so strong out of the gate um, to the next time that they could make that change in order to upgrade. And so that just continues to help evolve our game overall. Yeah, I, I do think it's been good for the game that that. Um rivalry and that relationship that, that you mentioned, I think it's been good for everybody. And, and, you know, we've seen, you know, both programs grow and, and both programs prosper. It's been quite exciting to watch, you know, from and you see that like all over the country, you know, like you see like sh subtle shifts in power of different teams emerging in conferences and other teams going down. And I mean, I think that's like the natural evolution of things. And ultimately like what you would hope is that, the best competition makes everybody better. Um, I think it's what, what becomes hard is again, like it goes back to what I said about that 98 team, like being willing to put yourself out there to face that good competition, regardless of the outcome and everything in society, like doesn't help us do that because we're so focused on the outcome, you know, but like, if you look at it more as like a, as a growth, instead of an outcome, it's a lot easier to understand why you might want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's a fun question for you, Becky. Who was your favorite 
uh, Florida football coach. Oh gosh, that well, you know, you have to give it to Steve Spurrier because you know it's funny. I had I had to go back to UF uh, just this semester, and it was to honor the first senior women's administrator, the woman who actually hired me. And we were talking about it's fifty years of. Uh, women's athletics at Florida this year and we were talking about like who was influential in the 50 years of women's athletics and one of the people that came up was coach Spurrier and the reason it was was because he liked every sport like I can remember my first year at Florida this was when we were all eating in like the athletic training table and um, we had gone to our very first SEC tournament um, we had lost to Auburn on penalty kicks I'm in line with my tray, you know, the old school cafeteria tray and I'm getting my food and he's like 10 people behind me. And he's like, Hey, coach, Becky, need to be working on them penalty kicks. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, like what football coach even knows what a penalty yeah. kick is. Yeah. You know? And the fact that he's seen the result, like we had just gotten back the day before. I mean, and I think that was pervasive through our department and his interest in all sports, like, it, it was palpable. It made everybody want to be good because um, the football coach knew you and noticed you and paid attention to your athletes. And, you know, we shared a practice field with football my first year and we went first, you know, <laughs> so like it was just a really unique relationship that I think unfortunately doesn't always exist and it's hard to exist. Um, but he made it really special there. So there's no SEC network back then, was there? So for him to know what's going on is impressive. Impressive. You know, I'm 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 looking at and getting ready to ask this next question. I'm thinking, how come I got all the hard questions? Like Matt's got all the hey, how's that big football coach? All this kind of stuff, and I'm asking all these deep. Go for it. Get the hard hitter. Because I'm the good guy and you're the bad guy on this. It's a good cop, bad cop. All right, I'm gonna hit you on one here, Becky. Go for it. So you're an interim coach right now. Yep. Would you be interested in being the full-time coach? And, you know, yes or no, or, or what's the future hold for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because it's been something I've got to come to an answer to pretty soon here. Um, sure. You know, for me, like when, when I made my decision to step down from Florida, um, I had a pretty clear plan. Um, I was going to teach these classes at UF. I was very excited about that. I was ready to go into a little bit slower pace mode. Um, you know, I was going to work a little bit with the athletic association and this opportunity came and I felt like, okay, like this is a once in a lifetime, you, you've got to at least try it. Um, and so when I initially went into it, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this for interim. I mean, it's freaking till December. That's like the blink of an eye. Um, but the more I've been in it, the more I realized that like, there's, there's a difference in what I thought pro coaching was compared to what pro coaching was, because I, my objections were always like, Oh, hate that transactional nature of pro Ooh, like bunch of egos. And you're going to have to just deal with a bunch of egos, you know? And, and I can just tell you like all the things I thought have been proven wrong. I mean, are there strong personality women on this team? Yeah. But like, that's, actually really exciting to coach Um, are there egos yeah but like how can I create win-win situations with the club and with the player Um, how can I continue to have a relationship with somebody that we may have to let go of our team Um, so those are just different challenges you know and and I think that it's a it's a longer season Um, you have different challenges you know I have 
I have players on my team who are married. I have players on my team who have kids at home and sometimes they bring them on the road. Like that doesn't happen in college. Um, but you know, I can drink a beer in the locker room afterwards with, and that's kind of cool. <laughs> you know, like, um, I don't have to worry about like when they walk out of the hotel after a game, I don't even want to know where they're going. Um, <laughs> so like, there's just some things I think that I had in my mind about what it was and it's not that. And so now it's made it to be like a hard decision that I have to decide, like, what do I want the pace of my life to be like? Um, am I prepared to be um, at a very high pace because I'll be teaching basically full-time and coaching full-time if I decide to do that. And I'm doing that now, but like, it's one thing to say, you can do it temporarily. It's another thing to like enter into it. So I think those are the things I'm considering, but um, it's a, it's been a harder decision than I expected it to be. Sure. Well, let me just say this to you. The league would be better off if you were involved. So oh, I, I hope for the league's sake that, that you do, you do stay involved and you continue to be involved. Well, I can tell you this, Chris, it has not um, been lost on me either. Like, so one of the things I feel like the reason I wanted to teach the classes at UF was because I, I really feel like I'd like to help empower the next generation of coaches. And then I think about like, what's more empowering than, than being a coach so that people can see like, Hey, there's a woman coaching in this pro league, or there's a college coach coaching in this pro league and give the perspective of that to other people who might not otherwise see it. So I understand that responsibility too. Sure. Sure. Um, all right, I got two more questions. One, where are you with Ted Lasso? Okay, I am a Ted Lasso freak. I love Ted Lasso. <laughs> I have a little visor. I don't know if you can see it back there. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I have yes. a belief pin on it too. Um, nice. on, on my door, on the other side of this purple door, there's a belief sign. Um, nice. You know, in light of recent circumstances, it's a little troubling the relationship with Rebecca. <laughs> um, now it's a power. Yeah, I get it. Yes, yes, that's, that's a challenge. Um, but I, you know, I, I was an early adopter of Ted Lasso. I just want to say that I, um, I DM'd Jason Sudeikis and he DM'd me back and maybe it was just his publicity stuff, but Hey, I'm going to film that. <laughs> um, I just, I, you know, I, to me, what I love the most about that show is that I think as coaches, we all think we can solve so many problems with X's and O's. And he's proven that the problems that need to be solved are not X's and O's. They're the mm -hmm. people. That's just so cool. Absolutely. And then um, we, you spent, you know, so much of your career with Alan and Vic, right? How are they? What are they doing? What's the update? And uh, how did you, how did you keep the same staff? being so successful for so long? Well, I, I'll answer your last question first. I mean, I okay. think the reason that we could be successful so long together is because um, we we didn't take things personally. Like, I'm gonna show you this. Like, this actually came with me from Gainesville. This is thing Q-tips. <laughs> and it for me, I, I always have these on my desk everywhere I go because quit taking things, quit taking it personally, Q-tip. And, and like, so if, you know, Alan has a different opinion of mine or Vic has a different opinion. Like we all felt like we could voice those opinions and it wasn't like someone had to win. It was more like, Hey, your opinion is better than mine this week. And we can both support that and move on. I didn't really feel like I ever had to pull like the head coach card and say like, well, my opinion weighs more. It was a very collaborative approach. 
Um, Alan is here at the Pride and loving it. Nice. Um, <laughs> and then, ironically, Vic has moved to Orlando. Um, he's not with the Pride, but Vic's <clears throat> like his real um, drive is to help develop youth players, but not necessarily in the same way that's always thought of, like to think about how we could help them develop cognitively and not just physically. And so he's working um, here locally in those efforts. So it's kind of cool because we're all together again. Man's back together. (laughs) Chris, you needed some of those Q-tips when I worked for you at Texas. God, (laughs) you need it. You need some of those. My ears dirty or something? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) You know, I think it's funny is like um, working with Vic and Alan is it's so easy, like, because it's not to say like my feelings don't get hurt because, you know, they do, but like we just get over it a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And when we get over it a lot faster, like it doesn't stick around, like there's no passive aggressiveness in something that somebody said before or whatever. It's like, okay, like, yeah, you know that what you said really pissed me off and this is why. And then we're, we're good. We're done. We're good. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Right. So Becky, we have a uh, one last request um, right now, believe it or not, Anson has the most downloads of any college soccer show. So we gotta, we gotta beat him. We need you to beat him again. We need you to beat him again. So we would love for you to put it out on social hey, media. Beat him by nine, okay, Becky? I'll do it. Yeah, I will nine. definitely do it. Yes. Well, listen. Good luck um, with the rest of the season, whatever and whatever your choice is. We know you do great. We appreciate you so much coming on College Soccer Nation. This is by far, Chris, one of our best best yes. interviews for sure. She was uh, just brilliant, like we knew she would be. So thank you so much, Becky. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Enjoyed it. And good luck to you guys the rest of the year. Okay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Becky. See ya. See ya. Fun interview with Becky, Chris, for sure. She is a quality person, quality coach, and, um, uh, you know, doing great things for our profession. There's no question about it. One of the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's got uh, 531 collegiate wins. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of wins. That's Chris. a lot, That's of, a lot wins. of wins. That's a lot of wins. <laughs> uh, impressive. Yeah. All right. Power five time. Power five. All right. Um, I got a zinger in here in my power five, Chris. I'm sure you do. I got a zinger. The zinger, the zinger for you, it either clinches it or loses it. It's like yeah, this this one or home run or strikeout. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of that, Yankees tonight or tomorrow? Yankees tomorrow night. Yeah, huge playoff against the Hayden Red Sox. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. All right, let's do it. Top mascots. Here we go. Power five is the top mascots. Now, it's not one it's question. not roll tide. It's the elephant. Yeah. And is, is it college mascots or can you go behind beyond college mascots? You can do whatever you want, Chris. I'm kind of a giver today. I'm a giver. Because if I can go beyond college mascots, I might change my list. Well, you do what you you do. You <laughs> you okay. do. You. Here we go. Number All five right. for you. Okay. Number five is the Florida Gator. With Becky on the show, I thought, perfect, chomp, chomp, Florida Gator. You know, there was a time where they beat us six or seven, nothing, where UCF, and they played a stupid song after they scored. Down and on and on. Go, Gators. And my wife was at that game. She drove up from Orlando to the game. She said, I will never go back there because I don't want to hear that song again. As you think, you scored that many times, they did it over and over and over again. (laughs) So that's a thumbs down for me. All right, my number five. Big Red from WKU. Big Red Blob. He's 
cool looking, I think. Big old fella runs around, doesn't really have things. Big red. I like him. Yeah, he's kind of goofy looking. Yeah. He is goofy looking. I like him though. Yeah. All right, your number four. Uh, number four, Bevo. You know, Bevo looks strong. Yeah, Bevo's good. He was on my list. I took him out to replace him with my number four. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see if you or Darren, either one of you guys can get this. OG the bear. OG? OG. OG the bear. Yeah, no one's ever heard of it. So it's probably. No, that is not true. He is the mascot of the United States Coast Guard Academy. That's what I said. OG no one's ever bear. heard of him. OG the bear. <laughs> Come on, man. It's the Coast Guard. Give it up for him. Let's go. Oh, jeez. All right. You're number three. All right, here we go. I'm going to go off script a little bit. I got a zinger for you. You ready? All right. Yep. This is not a college mascot. All right. It is the gecko from Geico. Oh, that fits. Uh, it's got to be a sports mascot. All right. I, I, you want? You told me. I asked you. You said hey, I could do anything I want. You, you I, want me to put I, my I, other I, one back you in? Can keep, hey, you can keep him. That's I, whatever you want to do, Chris. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. I don't care. Uh, I do like the gecko. Though. He's yeah. kind of funny. He's kind of funny. All right, here we go. My number three is Ugga, the English Bulldog from UGA, because I have an English Bulldog. Yes. And our, our Bulldog is fantastic. Absolutely yep. fantastic. I love the animal. So Ugga is on number three for me. And that's my number two. Oh, okay. I like Ugga. Yeah. My number two is Otto the Orange. The big orange from Syracuse. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, thing's cool. that thing's cool. It's a big orange. Did you He's happy. All the goofiest one you could? <laughs> I like those. They're fun. My last one's a good one, though. Last one's a good one. All right. You're number one. My number one is the Oregon Duck. Donald Duck. I do like the coming out on the motorcycle. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. My number one is, is near and dear to me at, at, at Ole Miss. We kind of struggle with mascots. So I go back to my days uh, where this mascot was so funny so many times. He's just fantastic. Abby the Tiger from, from Auburn. Abby from Auburn. He's great. If, if you see him on the sideline, he's absolutely hilarious, the stuff he does. Many times I found myself laughing out loud at the mascot and his things he would do. So I'm going with Abby the Tiger from Auburn as my number one mascot. You know, he also won a bunch of mascot awards too. So, Well, now let me ask you a question. Hmm? Mike the Tiger from LSU. That's an actual tiger. That's an actual tiger. Now that's I, a mascot. Come on, that's better <laughs> that than that is a mascot. I almost put them into that's. I that's almost a, put them in, but I took them out for the the gecko. Yeah, uh, Mike is a badass. I mean, that's that's like a real tiger. Yeah, that's no joke. Yeah. yeah, Darren likes the Philly fanatic. He's good. He's good. That's a good one. That's yeah. good. One. Yeah. I like the tree from Stanford. I don't have a problem with him. Anyway, no, that's right. again goofy. We gotta wrap this thing up. Wrap this thing up. Okay. All right. Go for it, Chris. Big games. Big games this week. Rutgers in Michigan. Yeah, Wednesday. That game yeah, is on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, because it's a makeup a game. Yeah, makeup game. Yeah. Central Florida, South Florida. What we got in that one? Jeez, I don't know. I don't know. Tight, I mean, it? It's my league. I'm not supposed to comment. Remember? That's right. That's right. That's right. My bad. And what, what do they call that? The war on I four. That's right. Yeah. I like that. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ole Miss, South Carolina. Who you got in that one? <laughs> and big game uh, western kentucky and old dominion that's a big game in conference yeah. both of them yeah. are on top right now both undefeated yeah you big know. game notre dame and clemson as they try to work their way into 
into the yeah. six team. I think it's a six team ACC tournament. Oh, year. wow. Yeah. yeah. South Carolina, Tennessee. That would be yeah, a good um, one. That's for the East. East, correct? Yeah, that'll be the yeah, the winner will be in the first. You know, it's interesting about Notre Dame Clemson. Those six spots, that's the hard yeah. six spots to get yeah. into. That's right. That is uh whew, that that's is rough. rough. All right. Uh TCU and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is uh they need a win. They, yeah, they, they need a win at this point. And TCU's on a slide as well. Yeah. Although they ride it a little bit with, with the win against Houston on, on uh, Sunday, but I think that's a big one in that league as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. It's good. Who you got this week, Chris? We have a, uh, I think, a difficult week. We have Houston at home on Thursday night, and then we travel to Tampa to play USF on Sunday afternoon in the humidity. Mm. Mm. So, uh, Tough, two, two big games for us, for sure. I'm not going to lie to you. When we played in Florida, I, I walked down onto the field. I walked across the field, sat down, and I was like, God, it's hard to breathe. It's hot <laughs> down there. It's hot down there. It's hot down there. Uh, we go was south. because of the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was like noon. Uh, we go South Carolina and Texas A&M at Texas A&M. That is a tough place to play, as we know. Yeah, so, yeah. big weekend for the Rebels as well. All right, Chris, good show. Um, first part was good. Thought Becky was fantastic. Yeah, Power five, we've had better, but whatever. We had to get it done. We People wanted mascots forever. We finally did it. It's over, thank God. <laughs> I could care less who votes. You don't vote for me. I don't coming care. coming up with some better <laughs> We do. We're running we out do. of topics here. We We're talking about Otto the Orange from Syracuse, <laughs> for God's sakes. Help us out, people. If you're listening, send us some Power Fives. We'll debate anything. We yes. just are running out of ideas. Please help us. All right, College Soccer Nation on Monday. Uh, thanks for everybody. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. Glad you like to listen. Thanks. Thanks again. College Soccer Nation is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download